You're listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. Have you ever gone on a trip? Several years ago, when I was still in seminary, one of the things I didn't realize I would become good at over time was learning how to pack my luggage in such a way so that I could fit as much stuff into the suitcase as possible without going over the weight limit. If you've flown in recent years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Typically, I'd be gone for a week, even two at a time, so I needed to make sure that I had everything I needed and it all had to fit into one of those rolling suitcases. We had been gifted a set of them from my in-laws while I was still in school, and more than once I became very grateful for that zippered section in the front that you can unzip to give yourself more room without needing to put things into another suitcase. Needless to say, packing became a bit of an art form. And while it would have been nice to travel a bit lighter, part of my predicament was that not only did I need clothes and toiletries for my time away at seminary, I'd also need my books, computer, and other electronic-related things that can sometimes be decently heavy. So it was a bit of a challenge to try to get everything to fit at first, but eventually I got comfortable with traveling and was able to do so a bit lighter than than that first time. I even realized that if I left some of my books at home, gasp, it would significantly lighten the load. Looking back, I realize now the wisdom in trying to travel a bit lighter. And this is where we pick up our scripture text for today from Mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 13, the stories of Jesus in Nazareth as well as Jesus sending out the disciples. Now it's interesting to me that in the midst of all the things we've heard Jesus do over the course of the past several weeks, heal the sick, calm the storm, even bring a little girl back to life, that when Jesus got back to his hometown of Nazareth, he was severely limited in what he was able to do. He begins by teaching in the synagogue on the Sabbath, but the people there question who he is and can only see him in terms of his familial relationships. It's almost as if he was only seen as Jesus of Nazareth and not Jesus the Son of God. And as one of my commentaries described it, while the invitation to teach in the synagogue reveals at first a degree of goodwill, or at least the recognition that Jesus is now a person of significance to the people of Nazareth, Jesus was the local boy, and they have no reason to think that he should turn out any different from the rest of his family. And the text says, and he was amazed at their unbelief. But what's striking about this story is that this is an example of Jesus experiencing failure. He proclaimed the word to people who didn't want to believe or accept it, and was only able to heal a few people. And it was on the heels of this event that Jesus sent his disciples out, even in the midst of them witnessing his failure in his own hometown, what could have been a glorious, heartfelt, homecoming moment, falls flat on its face. Nevertheless, Jesus called the disciples together and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Now let's track this a second. Earlier in chapter 1, when Jesus calls the first disciples, he tells them, Come, follow me, and you will fish for people. And so after being witnesses to his preaching, teaching, healing, and exercising demons, 
It's in this moment that Jesus' promise to have them fish for people comes to fruition. And the disciples are sent out to continue that work that Jesus himself began. Because you see, we've, this, we've spent the past several weeks hearing stories of Jesus with the disciples, journeying together. Even when the disciples are full of feel or lack faith or understanding, they experienced Jesus' ministry firsthand and were now sent out to go and do likewise. And I think this serves as a good reflection point for us as modern hearers of this text, that this is basically the whole point of the church. This is our pattern of worship. We gather together to encounter the risen Christ in some form to be encouraged and inspired through song, word, proclamation, perhaps sometimes the Eucharist, as well as fellowship with one another as the local community of faith. And then we are sent back out into the world to do the work of ministry during the week as we live our daily lives with the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit upon us, so that we might make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. But as we return to our passage, what's always struck me as odd in this part of Jesus' commissioning of the disciples is that Jesus tells them to travel light. He ordered them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. What I've come to realize, though, is that not only was Jesus commissioning the disciples to a short journey, he was also placing emphasis on mobility. One of the resources I read said Jesus wanted them to keep on the move, as it were. And so, rather than like a young and foolish seminary student like myself trying to jam as much stuff into my suitcase as possible so that I could bring everything I thought I needed, and sometimes stuff I wanted, the disciples are charged with doing the exact opposite. Travel light. But the bigger lesson here for us, I think, is also that Jesus was calling his disciples to rely on others, to even expect hospitality to the places they were going, to trust that God would meet their needs when they got where they were supposed to be through the generosity of strangers. Because you see, hospitality in Middle Eastern society was to be expected from visiting teachers. One of my commentaries described it as something they ought to be able to take for granted. And while hospitality to strangers was a common thing in ancient times, it's something that is largely foreign to us as modern 21st century Christians. I couldn't imagine relying on the hospitality of others when it comes to figuring out where my next meal would come from, especially if I'm traveling. But one of the most striking things for me about this practice of hospitality is that it speaks to a communal ethic of care that I think we have largely forgotten about in our society today. Especially in recent years where our country has become so polarized that if I believe X and you believe Y, I'm right and you're wrong, and no amount of debate, however friendly, will ever change my mind. Because, you see, hospitality, according to my Bible dictionary, revolved around the welcoming and assisting of strangers or travelers. By extending hospitality to a traveler, the host generally committed to provide the guests with provisions and protection while the guests remained in the region. Moreover, within a context of hospitality, hosts and guests often forged long-term reciprocal relationships, which were called guest friendships. 
Among the Greeks, hosts would feed, house, bathe, and clothe their guests. Furthermore, when it was time to depart, the host would equip the guests with provisions and escort the guest out of the region. And so it should be no surprise for us that the Greek term for hospitality, xenia, is closely linked to the Greek term for stranger, xenos. And so literally translated, hospitality means welcoming the stranger. I mention all of this about hospitality because I think, like I mentioned before, it's become a bit of a lost art in recent years. And so they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. And this was an effective method in ancient times, especially during the beginning of this Jesus movement, as it were, because in those days, traveling teachers and preachers were commonplace. But I'm reminded of one simple fact that sets the disciples apart from others. Service. Not only were the disciples charged with proclaiming the kingdom of God is like, they were also charged with healing, the necessary work of restoration to wholeness, both physical and spiritual. Because love means wanting the best for others so that they can experience that wholeness for themselves. So as we endeavor to look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, as Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, so we can embrace the wholeness God offers to us and pass it on to others. Through our prayers, our presence, our mission, our hospitality, a.k.a. our service, and ultimately our love, may we seek to be a people that proclaim the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just through preaching. Although I think there's something to be said for the adage of Preach the gospel when necessary, use words. May we use the tools we are given, hospitality, welcoming the stranger, service, a desire to restore those around us to wholeness as we experience it for ourselves. Especially in this time when we find ourselves isolated, as we come out of one of the most difficult years for many of us that we've all had in the past 365 plus days. May we seek to be a witness. May we seek to be a light in a dark place through whatever giftedness God has given to us. May it always be so. Amen. Thank you for listening heard it here first, the First United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. Feel free to check out our website, firstumcnewalm.org, and our Facebook page, facebook.com slash firstumcnewalm. Hope you have a blessed day.